Welcome to the podcast. Wherever you're listening from today, we hope this message brings you hope and encouragement. If you want to share what God has done for you, you can email us at saw at rttnchurch.com. That's S-A-W at rttnchurch.com. SAW stands for Signs and Wonders, and what better way to display God's power than through your testimony? Let's get right into the message. If there is a subject that I think I have probably overpreached and exhausted in this house, it is this whole thing. I felt like for two or three years, all we did was talk about taking the land. And that's important because taking the land is something that I believe God has called his people to do. You understand that God said that you and I should occupy till he comes. That the land God gives us, God gives us an assignment, right? The man or the woman have a land. God has a land in mind for the man. And every man, every woman have a particular place and a land that God has given you. It's If nothing more, it's your house, right? How many know that you're to rule and and reign and operate in kingdom authority even in your own home? And, And I believe it can extend beyond that into your job, but then corporately there is an assignment on this house for us to take a city. I seriously wake up every morning believing God has given us the city of Chattanooga. Well, what about other churches? It's theirs too. I believe it belongs to the kingdom of God. And I believe anyone who has a heart for the kingdom of God will see their city not just as as, uh, a church appointment, but as a kingdom assignment. I'm not just here on a church appointment. I'm here on a kingdom assignment. Until our city has no poverty, no crime, until racism has been just completely cast out, until justice flows in our streets, until then we have a great job to do. God has called us to take the land, and God has just made possible several significant miracles over and over again for us to be able to do that. But today, I don't want to focus on the miracle. I don't even want to focus on necessarily the assignment, because I think those are things that we could all agree God has shown us and have been established here. We have, I mean, six weeks ago, family, for the love of Mary, six weeks ago, God gave us another $4.5 million miracle. Now, I don't say that frivolously. But I just said a whole lot right there. And you cannot, you cannot miss these things. These things are not just because we have a cool happening church. These things are because there is assignments on this house that we cannot do unless God's miraculous power be operative and accessed and activated in our midst. We cannot do this without God. And so today's assignment is not talking about taking the land or the miracles that come. Today's assignment, I really felt like God wanted me to bear down on how we steward and honor miracles when they happen. I wrote this note down. It came to me in prayer. If you're taking notes, you should write it down as well. We must honor and remember today's miracles so that we do not feed tomorrow's unbelief. How many know that unbelief tried to come and doubt tried to come to the people of God just as much or perhaps more than anyone else on the planet? And what do we have to stop the voice of doubt and unbelief when it shows up and starts speaking in our ear? 
When we are paralyzed by our present problems, we are faced with current dilemmas, we are dealing with momentary setbacks that all of these things try to speak to us in a way to persuade us to believe that God is not with us anymore. What do we have in our history that can testify to our enemy that, wait a minute, Jack, he did this before and he's the same God that can do it again? And sometimes we don't, we don't have a proper stewardship and a proper honor of signs and wonders and miracles. They happen and we're just like, well, not only is that a little strange and weird, but, you know, it's, it didn't happen for me. It's not really a big deal. What's wrong with that? I'll tell you what's wrong with that. If you and I don't properly honor and steward signs and wonders and miracles when they happen, we become very prone to the same mistakes and the same disease that Israel got infected with in Psalm 78. And I would like for everyone, I don't usually do this, I usually read it to you, but I would actually like for you to flip over to Psalm 78 because it is a striking warning of what happens when you forget the miracles and the signs and the wonders. And Psalm 78, the psalmist says, Give ear, O my people, to my law. Incline your ears to the words of my mouth. Verse 2. I will open my mouth in a parable and utter dark sayings of old, which you have heard and have known, and our fathers have told us. We will not hide them from our children. Telling to the generation to come. Say the generation to come. Telling the the awesomeness of our God to the generation to come, the praises of the Lord and his strength and his wonderful works that he has done. Keep going, please. For he established a testimony in Jacob and appointed a law in Israel which he commanded our fathers that they should make them known to their children that the generation to come might know them, the children who would be born that they may arise and declare them to their children. Do you see the generational responsibility of perpetuating the testimony and the memorial of the faithfulness and goodness of our God. This is not something that just happens by osmosis. There is in fact a divine responsibility upon you and I to transmit to the next generation the faithfulness and the goodness of God in our day. Keep going, please. That they may, why would we tell our children about this? The psalmist answers, that they may set their hope in God. I don't know about you, but I want my children to hope in the same God that has proven himself faithful to me. If we don't tell them about the faithfulness of our God, they will attempt to find the faithfulness of other gods. And I just want to remind you, and I'm trying to behave, but I want to remind you that there is no God who is as faithful and good and almighty and powerful as the Yahweh God that we serve. Can you say amen? Tell your children that they may tell their children that all of them may set their hope in God and not forget the works of God but keep his commandments. Next verse. And may not be like their fathers, a stubborn and rebellious generation 
A generation that did not set its heart aright and whose spirit was not faithful to God. Last verse. Not, not last, but second to the last. The children of Ephraim being armed and carrying bows turned back in the day of battle. They did not keep the covenant of God. They refused to walk in his law. And the last verse, verse 11 says, verse 11 says, verse 11 says, the next verse says, and they forgot his works. When we do not transmit the testimony of God's goodness and faithfulness, when we do not share the miracles, the signs, and the wonders that have been witnessed and seen and documented, the Bible says if we don't tell the next generation, the next generation will forget the works of God and he actually told, told us what would happen if they ever forgot the works of God. He said they would be like Ephraim in the day of battle that put their bows and arrows up and ran off the battlefield. Why would our children run in the time of battle? Because they forgot God and they didn't know that he's faithful. And if you don't know God and don't know that he's faithful, you might find yourself on a battlefield in your future and start wondering, is this thing going to take me out? But if we have a testimony in the house and a testimony in our hearts and a testimony in our generation, then when the future generations rise up on the battlefield of their life and the devil starts telling them that they're in trouble, they say, oh no devil, just like God delivered my mother and my father and their generation, we have heard the stories of the goodness and the faithfulness of Yahweh. I don't know who I'm talking to, but I just need to remind you he's still faithful and he's still good and he still has the power to part Red Seas and to part Jordan Rivers and we need to praise him. It was him that's been the one that has kept us. He is a dwelling place, Psalm 90 verse 1, in every generation. Your neighbors say, we cannot forget. And how many agree with me that our children cannot forget? I've heard this my whole life, and I, I, at first when I heard it, I thought, that sounds awful, you know, apocalyptic and just morbidly horrible. But I think it's true. We're only one generation away from losing whatever we have. You say, Pastor, that, isn't, that can't be so. Think about it. If we all fail to build testimonies and memorials and declare the goodness and the faithfulness of God in our generation, how shall our children know them? So I just want to say this. There's a reason, and I know it's weird, and we've gotten, you know, we've we got people who think we're on the weirdo train. So now that, that we're on the weirdo train, I just think we ought to go full speed ahead. Right? The first Sunday night, actually it was the first service of this year, it was watch night. We had church till 2 a.m. Did the ball drop? No, the glory fell. Right? And the, that night I saw something, I saw a vision, I, I, I don't see them often, I don't have them often. Devin dreams dreams every other night. I get one like every decade. I'm just, that's just my grace. It's her grace, and we just learn how to flow in it. She tells me dreams, I give her sermon notes. Amen. That's how we operate. But the Lord showed me something that night in the spirit over this house. I saw the letters S-A-W. How many were here for that service? 
I saw S-A-W, and I kept saying, Saul, what is that? What are you saying to me, Lord? And all of a sudden, those letters, other letters came with those letters, and I saw signs and wonders. And the Lord said, I want you to get a book, and I want you to write down every miracle that happens, every sign and every wonder that happens this year. Because at the end of this year, I want you to have a book of memory and reminder and testimony that will encourage the faith of those who will read this. We're going to have one of these every year until the Lord comes. I mean this. As long as I pastor this house and as long as the Lord tarries in his coming, we will have a book of testimony where we will write down everything that you and I have seen and witnessed that, that demonstrates the goodness, the faithfulness, and the miraculous power of God. Because I am sick of listening to people tell me God doesn't move like that anymore. Testimony reminds the devil you came too late, Jack. You showed up too late. If I didn't have a testimony, your weasel theology that reduces God to something you sit up on a chimney mantle and encounter once every week might work. But you've come too late. This God is all-powerful. He is not on a leash. He is not in a cage. He is not in a, behind a wall. He is Jehovah God. He's not El Chipo. He's El Shaddai. He's Jehovah Jireh, the Lord my provider. He still has the power to heal. That's why we call him Jehovah Rapha. There is nothing impossible with God. This notion of us sitting in a little church on a little corner talking about a little God doing little things is bizarre. It's not scriptural. We have put God in our domesticated cage as if he is somehow one of us. What if God were one of us? He's not. God is not one of us. He is higher. He is greater. He is eternal. He didn't get tired last night. He didn't wake up this morning because he never went to sleep. He's God. He knows the number of hairs on your head. When you woke up this morning, he's the one that stayed up all night long watching over all your stuff. ain't in my notes, but I feel like preaching about the goodness of God right now. I'm telling you right now, this idea we have of God, this thimble-sized God, this little cup God, this little miniature, this is not the God of the Bible. The God of the Bible was and is and is to come. He doesn't answer to anyone. He fears no man. He wasn't voted in, so you'll never vote him out. He is immutable. He is Alpha and Omega, the beginning and the end, the first and the last, the fairest of 10,000 to my soul. get back to my notes this is the problem I see we have at times in our church as your past I don't when I preach abroad I talk about church abroad but when I preach at home I feel like God assigns me to to get us all on the right page and we we visit and I touched on it earlier this morning this God that we serve we are, we are more enamored by methods and we get addicted to methods. And when you're addicted to a method, you can miss the man. Because I found out sometimes the man will show up in a different method. Oh, yes, he will. 
And if you're not careful, you'll want God to show up like you like him rather than the way he wants to show up. God wants to show up and demonstrate himself in ways that are supernatural. That defy that defy our ability to simply explain through logic. You either have to believe in miracles or you remove yourself from the opportunity to step into what God has for your life. I, I, there, are, there are so many things God wants to show us. I truly believe with all of my heart, the lid is not God. The lid is our own self-imposed limitations, and we define the construct in which God shows up to in our lives. And if he doesn't show up in the construct and the method that we have predetermined he should show up in, we miss him because we write it off. Can you imagine had the blind man who was blind... Can you imagine had Jesus, who was getting ready to heal him, said, Mr. Blind Man, I'm going to make mud out of my spit and the dirt. Now listen, if you're going to spit on me or put spit mud on me, you better hear from God. Because if you don't, you're going to get knocked out, right? Come on. Let's just be real, right? So this is not an invitation for a spit revival. But, but God often shows up in ways beyond can you imagine if the man's, who, first of all, he's blind. He can't even see what Jesus is up to, right? God will often allow you to get in a place where you can't see the method he's getting ready to employ, right? But he doesn't announce to him, hey, I'm going to put spit mud on your eye. Because had he done that, the dude would have freaked. Not only would he have freaked, but everybody connected to him would have freaked out. The issue is this. Jesus healed the man by making mud out of clay and spittle. Laid hands on his eyes and says, what? Go see. And he goes and washes his eyes and came back and he could see. There's another man in the, in the Gospels. He's blind and Jesus doesn't make clay of spittle. He just spits. This is crazy. I'm not making this up. I wish it weren't even in there. But the man, Jesus spit in the man's eyes. And guess what happened? He could see. And then there's another blind man, and Jesus doesn't make clay, and he doesn't spit on his eyes. He simply touches his eyes, and the man comes away and says, I can see. And then there is yet another man who is blind, and Jesus doesn't make clay, and Jesus doesn't spit, and Jesus doesn't touch. Jesus just says, you're healed. And the man's eyes opened, and he started saying, my God, I can see. What's the point? The point is, I don't care if you're in the spit revival, the clay revival, the touch revival, or the speaking revival. I just want my blind eyes to open. And however you got to do it, and whatever you got to do, I'm not bound to a method. I need a miracle, and you're the miracle man, Jesus. So this is pertinent and germane because oftentimes people divide themselves into camps in the kingdom. 
I was recently asked, are you in the faith camp? You sound a whole lot like a word of faith person. Well, I can assure you this. I'm not in the doubt camp. Okay? I don't know if I'm called the faith camp or not, but I know one thing. I'm certainly not in the doubt camp. In fact, you know what camp I'm in? I'm in the Holy Ghost camp. I'm in revival camp. I'm in the Jesus camp. I'm in the B-I-B-L-E camp. Sign me up with that crazy group that have all-night prayer meetings and know how to worship and know how to love God, that know how to love people and touch their community. That's the camp I want to be a part of. Don't get married to the method because the miracle can often show up in very, very powerful ways. And there are often ways you've never seen before. So Joshua and the children of Israel, watch, for 40 years have been in wilderness territory. And they come to the promised land and they're on the edge of it. And what is separating them from their promised land? A river. It's called the Jordan River. And God tells Joshua, I'm fixing to part this. The priests are going to walk out when they walk out. When their feet touch the water and they get out in the middle of this, the water is going to stop that way and stop that way, and I'm going to make you walk over on dry ground. And when they go through, he said, I want you to take stones out of the middle of the river, and I want you to carry them to the other side. Now, there are several things about building a memorial. This is fixing to be a, build, a, memorial, a, test, a memorial of testimony. They're, they're about to build a memorial, a testimony that has nothing to do with their generation. It is only being built for the future. And the first thing I need you to see about this memorial that they're going to build is that it requires lifting heavy stones. Because sometimes building a testimony for the future to see requires some lifting. I have often... I'm ashamed to admit it, but I have often begged God that he would just let us have a cool, contemporary, casual church on Sunday morning and not have to go through the weight of lifting. Why do, you, why do you all have to wave banners and, you know, blow shofars and what's all this falling out and things and can, can we just chill out a little bit? Is this seriously, you have to have that signs and wonder service every single month and have prayer meetings and is this necessary and... Why do you get up and exhort and go deeper, go deep? We don't want to go deeper. We want to, is this necessary? Yeah, we just believe in this house, we believe revival is part of our inheritance in this generation. And sometimes the weight of revival means you got to carry something to give a testimony to those who are coming behind us that it's worth it. You, you got to carry a stone sometimes to build a memorial to let the, let the, the generation coming behind you, you. You're carrying weight now, Mom and Dad, but I just want to tell you the weight you are carrying now is going to represent a testimony for your sons and daughters in the future. Any moms and dads in here ever had a hard time raising a family? Come on in here, be real. I think one of the great tragedies of parenting, especially people who go to church and you're afraid your kids are going to talk to other people's kids and tell them how bad they're struggling. I, we've been there. I promise you that the greatest thing you can ever do for your children is live authentically in front of them. 
There are times when Devin and I have to sit our children down and say, we made mistakes. There are times we've had to sit our children down and, and with tears coming down our eyes, explain to them why, why we couldn't do certain things and go certain places and we didn't have the money at certain times. Can we even be, can we even be real about that sometimes? There have been times where, where we've had to talk to our kids about the struggle, the trial, the challenge of moments. And y'all looking at me like you don't know what I'm talking about. And you think it's okay to hide those things. But, there, but then when God begins to bless and doors begin to open, we just act like we've always lived that way before. I have to often remind my kids it has not always been like this. There were times your mother and I didn't have two dimes to rub together. We sat on a borrowed couch at Christmas time with a Charlie Brown Christmas tree and had no gifts to exchange because I didn't have a dime in the bank. And I'm just glad I had her. She had me. We had Jesus. And everything's going to be all right. But I want to tell you, when God begins to bless you and open doors and increase begins to come, you need to remind your children, this is the goodness of God. And it's lifting. It's heavy sometimes. It's not easy. Building a memorial and a testimony for the next generation is not always easy. It requires lifting. There's weight involved. There's a lot of people who don't want to lift the weight. And they're leaving the next generation to simply find God for themselves. But we can't do that. That is not the agenda or the assignment of this house. This house must be stewards of the miracles, the signs, and the wonders now. And tell this young man in his generation that the God who worked miracles in our day is the God who will not leave you in your day. What are you doing to build a memorial? What weight are you lifting? What prayers are you praying? What gifts are you giving? What sacrifices are you making to build a memorial for the next generation? Or are you believing that they will simply find God for themselves? Not only did building this memorial prove to be heavy, but it also, this memorial, your word says, let me give you these three points and I'm done. Not only did it prove to be heavy, the memorial itself provoked their children to ask the question, what is this? The memorial would be built on the other side of the Jordan, and Joshua is told by God, there would come a day in the future when your children would say, what is this? The memorial itself provoked the question. What is this? And my question is this. What are we building that will ask our kids, that will cause our kids to ask the question, what was that? I actually enjoy questions from my children. And I get them all the time. Especially in earlier days. During the 90 days of revival we had, every day I was answering questions. I think that's actually okay. Can I be real? I think it's good that we leave church wondering sometimes. I think it's actually pretty cool when you leave church seeing something that makes you wonder and investigate. Because I'm certainly sick of leaving churches feeling like, I knew that was coming. Come on, y'all. Two fast songs, two slow songs, a prayer. An offering, three points, a poem, and a God bless you. And we race each other to Rodizio's grill 
to see who will get there first and we actually have the unmitigated gall to call it a move of God. I want to leave and say, my God, what was that? Did you see what happened in the choir? Did you see what happened to the song leader? Did you see what that guy did? My God, he rolled in the floor. He rolled in the floor as the love of God overwhelmed his soul. Blind eyes got opened up. David Goins got healed of having to have medication. And it's okay when my children hear me tell it and they say, what do you mean, Dad? What do you mean? So I, I want us to become more intentional. I, I'm not even certain I know how we're going to do this yet. We have to build stones of remembrance. We, we cannot let the miracles, the signs, and the wonders just become another thing. Because if we forget the signs and the wonders and the miracles, we will forget the works of God. And if you forget the works of God, you run the... You run the the horrible risk of raising up a generation that do not know the faithfulness of God. Do you know why? There's about, really about two reasons I have any hope for our generation right now. I'm telling you. I'm telling you. I, oh, I don't want to go so deep, but I roll and pray and I beg God for the word of the Lord for our generation because without a word from the Lord, we will self-destruct. You think I'm kidding. I have just returned from Washington, D.C. The spirit of division that is loose in this nation, it's from the pit of hell. I'm not talking about, oh, that's just a little disagreement. It's a demon. Do you hear what I'm telling Do you hear the words coming out of my mouth? It is a demon. It is a demon spirit. There is a... See, people get nervous when I start talking like this. Oh, my God, you're going to run people off. They're not going to run off. They know it's loose. You know there's a demon spirit of division. The Lord spoke to me this past week. I'm going to tell you what God said. I didn't think I would say this. The Lord said to me this past week, because I keep praying, God, help us heal racism. God said, you are not only dealing with a spirit of racism, you are dealing with a spirit of division, and the two are different. There is a spirit of racism, but that's not the only spirit we're dealing with. There is a divisive, dividing spirit trying to tear a nation and even the church apart. How are we going to heal it? Only one way. Is there not a word from the Lord? When David was standing on the battlefield with Goliath, the Bible says that he lifted up his voice after he heard that uncircumcised Philistine defying God. David said, is there not a cause? The Hebrew word for cause doesn't mean like a reason. The Hebrew word for cause is the word debar, D-E-B-A-R. It literally means a word. David was not saying, is there not a reason to fight? He was saying, is there not a word from the Lord about this giant? Does anybody have a word from God about this Goliath? There is a word from the Lord. I tell you, there is a word from the Lord. And the pressure and the, and the push and the, the synergy of the ages, it's coming together. 
I declare over you, God is going to give the church a word. God is going to give the church a blueprint. I laid in this floor one night this week. I don't even remember which night it was. And, and Matt Lockett and Will Ford said to me, God is going to download a blueprint in the city of Chattanooga that is going to become a model for healing of the races. And the, I'll climb up on this TV right now and I'll preach it as loud as I can preach it. I want to tell you, I refuse to believe in my generation that we have to live in the hell of division and in the strife of a nation. It is not the assignment or the inheritance. I don't even know why I'm saying this. It's not in my notes. But God's going to heal our wounds and God's going to deliver our land. Is there not a word from the Lord? And, and when God gives it to us, and when we see these miracles happen, we just have to, we have to document it. And there are two reasons why I, I have hope for this generation. Number one, there's a word from the Lord. Number two, because we got some prayer mamas and prayer daddies in this house that came through the civil rights. Uh-huh. You came through the civil rights pain and you walked and you sat on the front of the bus and you went through the hell of all of that and you're sitting in a place of victory and liberty today that they, they told you in that generation you'll never be free from this. I want to tell you, if the sun makes you free, you're free indeed. When I see what the devil tried to do to our African-American brothers and sisters in the civil rights movement and how God not only broke that but has, there is such a grace coming, I'm telling you this, in the African-American community, every bit of pain, every bit of hell, every bit of, every bit of wound that they were ever inflicted upon, God is going to not only heal it, but there is a grace and there is a multiplied grace and a multiplied blessing and there is going to be leaders rise up in this nation who are not full of offense and hate and they're not, they're not full, you better hear me, Quantel, I'm prophesying right now. God is about to raise up a generation of African American leaders. I prophesied under the name of the Lord. And they're not going to be filled with hate. And they're not going to be filled with offense. They're going to lead this nation and they're going to see a healing come. And God's going to put a prophetic unction in them. And they're going to be a declaration of the sign and the wonder of God in the earth. Somebody praise God. I see these fathers, and this is why I have hope for this generation, because I see these fathers and mothers, and Ricky was here just a few minutes ago. He's the one that videos like with four cameras. He's got like eight phones. It's all going all over the world. He tells me every week, Bishop, we were seen in the country of Africa today. I'm like, praise God, Rick. He's got a camera under his phone, under his arm, and one on his ear, and you know, it's just everywhere. And we talked about his stories, and I've talked to many of our mothers and fathers in this church. And the injustice they faced, God overcame it. 
And instead of sitting on the back of the bus, they started recognizing my daddy owns the bus line. Yeah. And here's what I want to say. I know this is so raw. And there are people who wish I wouldn't talk about this stuff. You start grabbing your things when I go here. But I want to tell you something. I am not going to preach good three-point sermons that don't affect our generation. I'm not doing it. I am not going to preach good three-point sermons that do not address the demons we are swimming through. Would be much more politically correct to ignore the injustice in our nation. I had a, I had a three-hour conversation. Praise God. We raised $75,000 today. <laughs> Hallelujah. That's a bunch of babies we're going to get to help. Somebody say praise the Lord. I had a three-hour conversation this past week with a dear pastor friend of mine who pastors in Atlanta, an African-American brother that is, he was on staff with me before, long time ago. He's pastoring amazing work. He's coming to Ruach. His name is Leon's Crump. Leon's Crump and I are brothers. And, and we began to talk about where we were, three hours at J. Alexander's. We actually bled over into dinner from lunch. And he said to me, this is the first conversation I've had with a white pastor that wanted to know how to heal these wounds. Here's the thing, y'all. We don't have any compassion anymore for each other. Let's just get right down to it. We don't have the fruit of the Spirit. There's some hateful right-wing and hateful left-wing. Hate has no place in the kingdom. Okay, I'll walk over here and tick some people off. Hate has nowhere to be in the kingdom. If you don't love God and love people, you're not born again. This isn't even in my notes. But I am, I, you, she will tell you, I roll in the floor. I weep, we cry, we pray, we talk, we fast, we read. Is there not a word? And if you won't heal it anywhere else, would you please let us heal it in Chattanooga? And that's what's happening. It's just a small, small thing that's happening right now. But miracles are coming that our sons and daughters are going to see. They're going to inherit a very different kind of church culture than the one we inherited. What are you talking about? I pray our children don't even have to give it a second thought that the races are all together on Sunday morning. We make a big deal out of it because it just don't happen in Chattanooga. Much. Can we be real? Where do you go? The black church. Where do you go? The white church. It's crazy. Where's the king's church? That's where I want to go to church. I just want to go to the king's church. 
Can you take me to a place where people love everybody? Can you take me to a place where his agenda is their agenda? Can you take me to a place where people love and people accept and people don't judge and people don't lift their nose and treat you like... Can we just be that kind of church? Help me, Lord, I'm done. You have to build a memorial so that the, the kids and the future will ask questions. There is a reason I have hope because I have seen God move faithfully and he's not through moving yet. Come on, how many know if you can survive the 70s, you can survive any time? My God, the weirdest things in the world happened in the 70s. They drove around in buses and on little vans and just... Smoked anything with a white piece of paper around it? I mean, it was unbelievable. How many know if God can bring the, the people of God through that and bring generations and nations through that? How many know he can deal with what we're dealing with right now? I have faith in God. I said I have faith in God. And I have seen the power of love. I have seen the power of love change lives. I have seen the power of love dismantle hate and dismantle racism. And our cute little three-point sermons are going to do that. You know what's going to do that? Love. The last thing I'll say is this. I'm done. I'm bloated. Not only does building a memorial and a testimony, not only does it proved to be heavy and not only does it provoke questions of what is this? How, how did this happen? But when you build a memorial it serves as proof of the power of God. Because the memorial itself could have never been built had God not miraculously opened up the Jordan River. The testimony proves the power of God. That's why the Bible said they overcame the accuser by the blood of the Lamb and the word of their testimony because it proves the power of God. When you start testifying and the enemy says God isn't real and then you have a memorial of testimony that says, oh yes he is, look what he did. It dismantles the assignment of Satan to bring discouragement and unbelief and doubt. And I've never seen this. I don't know why I preach this text throughout my 15 years of being your pastor. I've preached this text probably five, six, seven times. But I never saw this. The 12 men lift the stone up, carry it out, and they build a memorial on the other side of the Jordan. There's so much to say about that. And then, and then Joshua goes into the middle of the river. I've never seen this. He goes into the middle of the river, and the Bible says he built his own memorial. Read it. He built his own memorial in the Jordan River. Why? Remember, please, that we are talking about the Jordan River at flood stage, and it happens twice a year. Flood stage comes twice a year. The waters are pushed back, and there's this miracle of, of, of parting the Jordan River at flood stage. Everybody say flood stage. Because flood stage is the worst possible scenario. I mean, if you're going to cross the Jordan River, cross it when it's dried up, right? But not Jesus, not God. God doesn't wait till it gets dried up because nobody gets the glory God gets no glory. You actually walk away thinking, I crossed because it was just a little puddle. 
God says, I don't want you to get confused. I'm going to make it so deep that when you cross at flood stage, everybody's going to know it was absolutely the worst possible scenario God delivered you from. So he builds this memorial in the middle of the river at flood stage. Watch this. After they cross, water comes back. Rocks are completely hidden. Because why? It's flood stage, right? But it doesn't stay flood stage very long. In fact, it, very soon the waters would begin to recede. And here's what I believe. I believe that when the waters begin to recede, and some theologians believe this as well. I'm not trying to act like this was an original thought, but I find this fascinating. They actually believe that when the waters receded and came back and the flood stage lifted, that just a few rocks emerged in the top of the river. They couldn't see all 12, but just one or two of those stones that were on top of that memorial. And the people would stand on the bank and look out, and they would see that memorial Joshua built in the middle of the river. And they would say, what is that? What are those stones out there? And they would say, that is the memorial of Joshua. He stood in that place when it was flood time. The absolute deepest, most impossible scenario you could imagine. And yet God parted the Red Sea in the worst of times. Can I just remind you, God can part Red Seas in your worst of times. It is then that you need to build a memorial. Not when everything's hunky-dory and... We're all chummy chum and the bills are paid and everything's good. And No, no, no. you got to learn how to build a memorial out of those times where God made a way in the worst of times. It's then your children and my children and our children will see the faithfulness of God. There's a reason why I talk about 90 days of revival. There's a reason why I talk about the four and a half million dollar miracle. Stop hating on me. I want my kids to know when you have a light bill that needs to be paid, if God can take care of our $4.5 million mortgage, he can pay your light bill. We lose the glory of the story. But we need to honor the miracles, the signs, and the wonders, and we need to pass them on to our children so that they never feel as if they serve a God who cannot do it. Stand with me. faithful God, the everlasting Father. And as I have said to you today, I, I say to you again, I have been faithful. I've always been faithful. I am good. I will always be good. For you are mine. And I go before you, says the Lord. And as I go before you, I do prepare the way for you. And I invite you in to my goodness, says the Lord. Only testify of me and remind your children and pass, pass the story and the testimony from one generation to the next so that they may see that I am good and I am faithful. I have never failed you, saith the Lord, and I will never fail you, says God. Thank you, Father. We bless you, Lord. 
We bless you, Lord. Can we lift our hands and thank God for his faithfulness, his goodness? Don't let us lose the story, God. Don't let us lose the testimony. In our darkness and wonder, and when we often have fears about our future and our generation and how will this ever be turned and healed, may we look back, God, at your faithfulness to those who have gone before us. And the grace that you used to heal then, you are still pouring out now. The grace you used then to deliver, you are still pouring out now. You are still the God of all power. And we bless you and we honor you, Lord. Today, I want us to commit before we leave this place. I want us to commit. We will be a people who spend our lives building a memorial of testimony, honoring God. Never forgetting, never losing the, the glory of the testimony and just letting our lives. I felt so convicted this week. Sometimes things happen that are supernatural and God graces our life with it and we treat it as just another moment. Can anyone thank me for help me thank God for all those moments of divine intervention. All those moments of divine blessing. Come on. Come on. Come on. We thank you God. We thank you God. Times he made a way where there seemed to be no way. Times he made a way where there seemed to be no way. He's been faithful. He's been faithful. Heads bowed, eyes closed. If you're in this room today and you say, Pastor Kevin, you know, I'm, I want to give my heart to Christ. Would you pray for me today, Pastor Kevin, that God would save me? If you're in this room today and you've been to church and you've known about Jesus, heard about Jesus, come into your heart and just cleanse you and make you new give you eternal life and you just want to trust him as Lord this Christ that we serve is so good, he's so loving he actually did something that was unprecedented because he was God in the flesh, he came and he actually died in our place he didn't ask you to die for him and his kingdom. He actually died for you so that you and I could have eternal life. And really what it takes to be born again is not joining our church or any other church. What it takes to be born again is having faith in God, believing that his son Jesus can just save and forgive and cleanse you. And if you're in this room today and you need him to save you, save you and to just cleanse you from all the guilt, the sin, the mess, or it might even not be a mess and it not, might not be that you're feeling really bad. It might even be that you're feeling really good. Maybe even a little self-righteous. Like you don't even need God. But, but in this moment, you feel something tugging on your heart. I want you to lift your hand when I say three if I'm talking to you. And you say, Pastor Kevin, would you pray for me? I want to give my heart to God today. I want Jesus to save me and forgive me of all my sins. Would you lift your hand if that is you? When I say three, just lift your hand. I want to pray for you. One, two, three. Yes, ma'am, I see. 
Yes, sir, I see. Yes, sir, I see. Yes, sir. God bless you all. God bless you all. You can put your hands down. I want you to help me do something today. There's a person on your left and right. You may have known them your whole life. You may have never met them before today. But in just a moment, I want you to look at the brother or sister next to you, and I just want you to ask them one question. Do you need someone to go to the altar and pray with you? And if you lifted your hand or you know you should have and you want to pray, as we close this service in just a moment, Pastor Gary and some other pastors and leaders from our team are going to come to the altar. And they're going to play softly, and no one's going to push you to the floor. No one's going to do anything. We're just going to lead you to God. And we're going to pray with you until you know in your heart you've talked to God and God has given you peace. So I want you to look at your neighbor, and I want you to ask them this question. Do you need someone to go to the altar and pray with you? And if you lifted your hand or you should have, when they ask you that question, just nod your head, come down here, and I'm going to stand right here and wait on you. And we're going to pray with people who need to give their heart to Christ. Thank you for coming, sweetheart. Anyone else? Thank you for coming, sir. Thank you for coming. Come on, they're they're coming, y'all. This is incredible. Let's give God praise. Come on, sir. Bless you, sir. Come on, anyone else who wants to come, there's still room, there's still time, it's still for you, anybody at all. Elders, come help me. Pastors, come help me. I want every one of them to have someone praying with them. I want you to stretch your hands toward them, and I want you to pray over them like you wish somebody would pray for you the day you gave your heart to God. Would you pray for them that way this morning? At the cross, at the cross, where I first saw the light and the burden of my heart. going to continue to pray and I want them to. I want everyone in this house that needs a good week to lift your hands. Let me bless you before you go. Father, I thank you for our people and for second service. Everyone who's come today, God, I pray for them to have an amazing week this week. Fill it with divine appointment and opportunity and open door. I pray in all they're doing today, God, they would just give place to you. May you be number one in our hearts this week, God. I thank you for the promise of your presence and for your loving kindness that endures for all of our lives. And I pray your blessing upon our people this week. Bless them, God. Keep them, Father. In the precious name of your son, Jesus. And everybody said, amen. Let them continue to pray. Fellowship out in the lobby. We love each of you, and we'll see you this Wednesday night in the presence of the Lord. Go in the peace of God.